Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Jeff Frank. Jeff, how are you, sir? Uh, doing all right, AJ. Great to be here today. It's great to have you in the hot seat. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what brings you to trivia, what brings you specifically to this particular hot seat, and uh, anything else you want to uh, share. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, show and tell time here on Beat My Guest. Uh, I am Jeff Frank. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, right here in the heartland. And uh, what I do mostly is trivia 24-7 every chance I get. I I, I kind of have a job I'm supposed to go to, but, uh, you know, I I try not to let that get in the way too much. I don't know if you're aware, but between trivia podcasts and trivia apps and Learned League and pub trivia, you can almost do trivia 24-7 these days. And I'm I'm doing the best I can to make a living at it. Uh, Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, certainly the uh, opportunities are a a bit more uh, prevalent these days with the uh, the HQ and the uh, confetti. The myriad podcasts, like you said, uh, I offer no cash prizes, but hopefully uh, (laughs) you, you get a little something out of this nonetheless. Oh, I'm certainly, I'm certainly thrilled that there is money around in the universe. But you know, I, I'd be doing it anyway because I'm, I'm mostly here for the love of the game. Excellent, excellent. Well, speaking of the love of the game, uh, I love to uh, share the rules of the game uh, with people in the hot seat and to my listeners out there. Perhaps you are listening for the first time, and if you are one of those uh, newcomers to the podcast, welcome. And where have you been? Uh, here's how the game works. There's going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, I will let you know the categories in order we'll be using for that round. Before we read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. Jeff will field what we call the confidence question, his last chance to try and improve his final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we set our feet on the road to round one. Jeff, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be, AJ. Let's bring it on. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, in round one, as always, as usual, the point values available to you will be one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories we're going to be using for round one today. First up, music. We're going to follow that up with science. <laughs> and we're going to move along to audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. And we're going to wrap up round one with what comes next to start us off. What comes first? It is music one, three, five, or seven. Well, hmm. I guess I will start off with a three. I don't, I don't hate music, but there's a lot of music that is well out of my wheelhouse, so I'm not going to go too high. Let's start off with three. Starting off with three points, I understand exactly what you mean. I uh, did a Sporkle quiz yesterday on the, the number one hits of uh, the present calendar year. Just name the artists and... You just yeah. just Drake, 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 Drake. That's all I know. Well, I, I <laughs> typed in Drake. I typed in Cardi B, and they had the song titles there for <laughs> yes. all the others. It's, <laughs> it's not easy. You you got to stay on top of it. <laughs> well, let's see how well you've been staying on top of the music scene. Uh, here is your three-point music question. Good luck. And here we go. This album, released in 1977, was recorded shortly after a failed assassination attempt on its artist's life, causing him to flee his homeland. What is the name of this album? 
caused him to flee his homeland. A 1977 album by someone who was probably not from around here. I don't know if I know this. I am stumped on the first question. This is off to a flying start. Oh, you would not be the first. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I wouldn't. Let me see if I can come up with anything. I don't even have a singer, let alone an album. Assassination attempt. Fled his homeland. Could be someone, someone perhaps who was politically motivated or somehow involved in something controversial that got him shot at. I don't want to start listing parts of the world and offend anyone from those regions. <laughs> yeah, boy, I hate to do this, AJ, but I'm, I'm, I may have to take a pass. I, I can't even guess an album title that could possibly fit this. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I, I'm just going to say self-titled. Self-titled eponymous album here. Uh, no, was not eponymous, uh, although uh, it does share some of the letters of that word. Uh, so this was an album that uh, the artist, both he and his wife, were shot at, uh, survived, thankfully. And uh, he decided to hightail it off of his uh, island home and flew to the UK, where he uh, recorded an album, which the second side of which has such classic songs as One Love. Jammin' and Three Little Birds. This was Bob Marley, and this was the album entitled Exodus, inspired by his Exodus from Jamaica. I conceivably could have come up with Bob Marley, but I don't think I would have known the album anyway, so let's just say I'm glad I didn't put any more points on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Well, you have heard of Bob Marley, so uh, (laughs) at least it's not like, uh, uh, what is the guy, Ty Dollar Sign? (laughs) Is his name? You have to say dollar sign. I, at, least I, Kesha, at least Kesha had the uh, you know the the nice uh, dollar sign her name and just said just pronounce it like an S. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you did not get the the first question, but plenty of games still left to go here. Science is up next. You have a one. You have a five. You have a seven. I am already regretting my first choice, but I'll go. I'll go one on science this time. All right. Enough. One point on science. Good luck. Here is your one point science question. An atmospheric anomaly, known as wind setdown, has been proposed as a possible explanation for what event believed to have occurred in 1250 BC. Wind setdown is the cause of what event in roughly 1250 BC? So I believe that puts us in biblical times. I have a couple of ideas. There's, a, there's the Great Flood in the Bible, which I believe would be longer ago than 1250 B.C. There's also Moses parting the Red Sea, which I suppose, if there were, uh, if there were historic notions that that may have actually occurred, other than from religious sources, maybe there's a, maybe there's a meteorological hypothetical explanation for it. And... I'm struggling to think of anything else, unless it's something like the building of Stonehenge, but I don't think that goes back that far. So I think I'm, I think that's the only thing I have. I'm going to go with the parting of the Red Sea. All right. The parting of the Red Sea is your answer. Moses supposes his toes were roses. Uh, the last uh, question was answered by the word Exodus. Exodus, of course, a book of the Bible, which outlines some uh, fascinating uh, tales, some of which... Uh, 
scientists have uh, decided to try and see if it is even possible for them to have conceivably uh, occurred in real life. If uh, this event had occurred, uh, it would allegedly have been uh, 1250 BC. It is wind set down where a giant gust of wind appears out of nowhere with such hurricane force that it can hit an area of low-lying water, spreading it out and creating a path. It is the parting of the Red Sea, which uh, is not believed to even be the Red Sea if it did take place, but rather a mistranslation of the Sea of Reeds. But uh, whether it happened or not, what did happen here is one point for you. Well done, sir. I'm on the board. I completely forgot to look for the connection. If, if I had thought of Exodus, that would have certainly made the answer feel more confident. But whatever it is, I got the job done. <laughs> well, uh, whether or not we're referring to the people, let it go, Jeff. Let it go. <laughs> you got the point. Well done. We are on the board. No goose egg in round one. Uh, let us keep the momentum going because at some point, Farrah's going to figure out what's going on here and chase after you. Uh, Audio Hodgepodge is up next. You have the five, and you have the seven. I'm going to go with five on audio. All right, five points on audio hodgepodge. Here's how it works. I am going to read you a question. After I read the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you when I'm done playing the clip. Hopefully, you will be able to correctly answer the question. And here is the question of which I am referring. Uh, what group can be heard singing this one-time number one song from the 1970s? Okay, I I don't know the song. Um, I'm not sure I've ever heard it before. One one bad apple don't spoil the bunch. My my very first inkling when I heard that the sound was the Jackson Five, and there was a sounded like a very younger, high pitched voice singing, which certainly could be Michael Jackson. Uh, I'm going to try to determine if there was any uh, connection to the previous question. From Moses and the Red Sea and the Book of Exodus, the wind set down in 1250 BC. Not seeing anything to connect me to Michael Jackson or the Jackson 5 or Gary, Indiana. But I don't think I'm going to have any other guess. If it isn't the Jacksons, I don't know who it is. So I'm going to lock in with the Jackson 5. The Jackson 5 is your answer. Uh, yeah, I heard this little song on the radio uh, driving in my car a few weeks back. And certainly I was like, I have never heard this Jackson 5 song before. But uh, when I looked up on the screen to see who sung it, it weren't the Jackson 5. So uh, I, I totally understand why you made that uh that guess, I kind of expected it to. In fact, uh, the link for the previous question pretty much just, uh, you know, we're talking about biblical stories. We're talking about a bad apple, apple in the Garden of Eden kind of thing. That's one link there. The other link is that uh, 
the group in question here, uh, it is a family of, of brothers uh, like the Jackson Five. Uh, they are religious in nature, uh, Mormon, in fact. Uh, that was little Donny Osmond and his brothers, the Osmonds, with a number one hit called One Bad Apple. Uh that, that that's sure not a song I know. That that makes sense. I'm I'm aware of Donny Osmond. I don't know if I was ever gonna get there. That's that's a tough one. It is a tough one, but I just like I said, just, just the fact that it sounded so much like Michael Jackson. And uh Do- yeah. if you put Donny Osmond and, and Michael Jackson as children side by side, uh I don't think you're gonna get them confused, but vocally <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> All right. Well, we did not get that one. However, we still have the highest scoring question of the round left for us. It is gonna be worth seven points. It is what comes next. So are you ready to find out what comes next? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. The Brady Bunch, 117 episodes. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, nine episodes. The Brady Brides, five episodes. What? One single episode. Okay. I know there were... I know there were some uh, Brady Bunch reunion movies in the 80s and maybe in the 90s. I don't know if there's only one of them or if maybe we're looking for something that was intended to be a show and not a one-off movie. I know the Brady Brides was a thing where two of the three girls were both getting married. I never watched any of these things. I only know the Brady Bunch from reruns. I never watched any of the later adaptations. There might be something called... Very Brady Christmas. But again, I don't know if that's a special. It might leave it out of this list. There might have been a wedding. Maybe the Brady, maybe something separate from the Brady Bride, something like the Brady Hawaiian wedding. But I'm probably mixing that up with Saved by the Bell, which definitely had a Hawaiian wedding. And there was a Brady Bunch film and then a Very Brady sequel. So I might be, again, mixing up the title. It may not be a Very Brady Christmas. But I think that's my best guess. I'm going to go with the possibly made up title of. And maybe you'll be generous if I'm not quite on with the title, depending on what the, what this actually is. But I'm going to go with the Very Brady Christmas. So the link for the previous question, well, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. I heard bunch. Large family. Yeah, it just kind of all just flowed naturally. This is kind of where my stream of consciousness went. But you are uh, not mistaken in the sense that, uh, obviously, these are all incarnations of the Brady Bunch. Start out as that sitcom that has perennially been in reruns ever since. Uh, they then took to uh, being part of a variety show. Uh, a lot of variety shows <laughs> coming uh, on the heels of that uh, 70s era there uh, with the Osmonds, uh, the Donnie Marie show that came on, which was a variety show. You had Sonny and Cher. Just variety shows were all the rage at the time. Uh, but theirs only lasted nine episodes, if you include the pilot. Then uh, there was the Brady Girls Get Married, which was the one-off special, which then spun into an actual uh, series Seven episodes it lasted. It was awful. It was Marsha. It was Jan. It was their husbands. Oof. So basically, all of these shows uh, had Florence Henderson appearing as Carol Brady, the matriarch of the family. So I would like to know what television show was the next show in which Florence Henderson appeared as Carol Brady. She appeared in only one episode. This predates A Very Brady Christmas, which uh, was a thing. Uh, it was a movie. It, uh, I was in college at the time. My whole dorm watched it to mock it, and it was mock-worthy, to say the least. <laughs> uh, 
the movie culminated. Mr. Brady was trapped in the collapsed wreckage of a building that he himself had uh, architected. Uh, and he was unable to get out until Carol started singing a Christmas carol. And he, get it, Christmas carol? Uh, <laughs> and uh, suddenly he got the strength of Lou Ferrigno and was able to escape from his uh, being pinned under concrete and uh, survived. Huzzah. AJ, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll be right back. I need to go watch this special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it is something. Uh, later on, there was another special at some point where uh, the Brady's, uh, Mike Brady runs for Congress. I forget what that was called. Uh, and uh, they eventually uh, tried to do a dramatic series, which has been mentioned on this podcast before, called uh, all of the original cast coming back in a Dallas-like, Dynasty-like, serious show where in the first episode, Bobby Brady is a professional race car driver married to Martha Quinn from MTV fame, and he uh, becomes uh, paraplegic when he crashes his car. <laughs> Hilarity on that one. Uh <laughs> It's quite the tangent that I've gone on here, but uh, Florence Anderson appeared in the final ever episode of the television show, The Love Boat. Wow. Uh, it was called Who Killed Maxwell Thorne? It had a lot of actors, because it was the final episode, portraying themselves, but uh, some of the cameos on this show uh, were Marion Ross, who was playing Captain Steubing's wife, and as a goof, they had her interacting with the Cleaver family and the Brady's, Mike and Carol, uh, somewhere on the boat. So a lot of uh, sitcom moms appeared in this final episode. Florence Henderson was one of them. I was looking for the love boat. I can't believe you didn't get that one. <laughs> I, that, that's an amazing fact, AJ. I know a lot about TV, particularly 70s, 80s, 90s, and I would, had, had no knowledge of the, the last episode of The Love Boat that this was the premise. That's That's certainly some good information that... I, I feel very regretful that I didn't know. Yeah, it was almost like a. It was almost like Clue. There was like a mysterious billionaire who had given invitations to six people and invited them all on the boat. Oh, it's just I don't know. It's <laughs> they had run out of ideas. Heck, they had cast Ted McGinley by then. They had definitely <laughs> run out of ideas. Uh, I cannot give you the points, but I've given you, I think, uh, a few things to 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 watch over the holiday season. I, I definitely my, my my Netflix queue will be filling up as we speak. <laughs> All right, excellent.
this is a Christmas story with a really happy ending. And I just noticed the street sign on the corner. It looks like another miracle on 34th Street. One point is all you got in round one, but one point is better than no points. And there's plenty of game left. We're going to move along quickly to round two uh, before they reboot the Brady series one more time. Uh, <laughs> like values will increase to two, four, six, and eight. Here are the categories we're going to be using for round two. We're going to kick things off with that happened. Move along to sports. Follow it up with television. And we are going to wrap up the first half and round two with analogies. First things first, though, that happened. How many points, sir? I like these categories much better than the first round. Let's go with four on that happened. Here's your question. At a press conference in Poland earlier this month, the president of what country said, it's real me, I assure you, in order to quell rumors that he had actually died and been replaced by an imposter? It's real me. In Poland, this country's president. I don't believe I've heard this story. Um, what country's president might have been replaced? I know we can all think of a country where we wish the president had been replaced, but sadly. <laughs> wow. Um, why would the president have been in Poland? Is he from a country close to Poland, or was he just visiting? Perhaps he traveled there on the love boat, uh, to tie into the previous question. What country's president? Well, a lot of companies, countries don't have a president, so there's only, I don't know, 70 or 80 to choose from. <laughs> uh, I guess I need to try to pick something that's a fairly big country in the news. Why would the president be replaced? Um, and my, the thing that pops into my head is Fidel Castro in Cuba because there were definitely rumors for years that he had been dead for a long time and had a doppelganger. And his brother, Raul Castro, is now in charge. And you certainly could take a boat to Cuba, although that's a very tenuous connection. I'm struggling to have any great answers pop into my head. So what the heck? I'm going to lock in Cuba. Cuba is your answer here. Uh, so yeah, this president uh, of a country was at this press conference in Poland. I, just visiting. No, no, no big occasion. Some sort of uh, meeting of world leaders. Uh, this is a, a guy who has uh, frequented Europe a lot. Though the reason for his uh, needing to say what he said is because uh, the previous year he had been ill for five months and w had checked himself into a hospital in the United Kingdom to take care of whatever it was that had been ailing him. And uh, when he returned five months later, uh, a lot of people in his country started to whisper that perhaps a, a rival country had uh, finally infiltrated their own government with this, you know, putting a clone from the country of Sudan into uh, power here uh, to uh, destroy the leadership of President Muhammadu Buhari of Nigeria. Missed it by that much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, if there's anyone out there wanting to do some uh, some statistical research on Beat My Guest, the number of times that I've defaulted to Nigeria, <laughs> it <just laughs> seems to me that I've done it a lot lately. It's not intentional. Uh, I actually just saw this story uh, online uh, a couple weeks back. I knew I had to use it at some point because it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, did, I, I briefly considered if it would be an English-speaking country since presumably this was his quote in English, but... 
I did not really go down that path, but Nigeria, I believe they do speak English. So that, that could, that could have been something that got me in the ballpark, but don't know if yeah. I was going to get there. <laughs> well, the next time that you end up shaking hands with president Buhari, uh, and it's, that is not a Sudanese clone or is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you had a sporting chance there, although, uh, I don't blame you for not getting that one right. Uh, sports is up next, though. Uh, I, you know, you're wearing your Mets shirt proudly there. Uh, you seem to be a sports guy. Two, six, or eight. Oh, I like sports, but I know you also tend to go very deep on sports. I also like TV, so I'm kind of flipping a coin here. If I want to go six or eight, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the coin lands on six for sports. Here is your six point sports question in the 2017 NBA playoffs. A controversy arose when a Washington Wizards player left a game with an ankle injury and then returned to action the next game, showing no signs at all of injury. Rumors began to circulate that he had been temporarily replaced by his twin brother, who was on the eliminated Detroit Pistons. What is the last name of these basketball brothers? Okay, 2017 playoffs. This would be roughly 18 months ago, maybe 19 months ago. His brother was on the Pistons, who were already out, and he is on the Wizards. I don't remember the story. There are definitely a bunch of brothers in the NBA. I'll try to have to see who is on these teams that I can think of. There's the there's the Morris twins from Kansas, Markeith and Marcus. Maybe one of them was on Washington. I don't recall one of them on Detroit. There's the uh, Dragic brothers. The uh, the Phoenix Suns, I believe, once achieved double Dragic when they traded for Goran Dragic's brother. Um, I don't recall any of them on uh, Washington. Uh, let's see. There's the mm, there's the Lopez brothers. Brooke Lopez was on the Nets for a long time. Robin Lopez has been in Portland and Phoenix. I don't recall either of them in Washington or Detroit. I definitely can picture one of the Morris brothers on Washington. So I think I'm going to have to lock in with Morris as the last name. Morris is your answer. Double Drakic, that was one of my favorite video games from the 80s. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, uh, there have been a lot of brothers uh, who have played in the NBA and uh, certainly twin brothers. Not always identical twins. I think that's the case with the Lopez brothers uh, while they're twins and they they don't really look alike. You can tell the difference between the two. Certainly their hairstyles uh, give them away. Um, there is a pair of brothers, however, who are so identical that they even have identical tattoos all over their body. There were stories that had come out prior to 2017 where they had certainly gone to classes for each other in, when they were younger because no one could tell them apart. They hinted and joked that perhaps when they were at college together, they might have, uh, you know, oh, I've got too many fouls. Uh, I'm going to go in for you and we'll switch jerseys and that sort of thing. (laughs) Uh, A little harder to do when you're not on the same team. However, because of the injury situation and the fact that uh, the, the Detroit brother Instagrammed a photo of himself dressed as the Washington brother and nobody knew which one it actually was in the picture. People suspected that Markeith and Marcus had done a switcheroo. Morris is correct, sir. Well done. Oh, thank goodness. Finally got off one point. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm really lucky because during your, your read-up to the answer there, I thought of the Plumley brothers from Duke, and I'm glad I didn't think of them because I would've, that would have been the wrong guess. <laughs> 
Uh, indeed, it would have been. You want to be north of the Mason line there. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 real kicker is that everyone was like, it has to be true. A lot of people said because Marquise not as good as he played in game two. So, <laughs> yes, something was fishy. He made his first four shots. It can't be him. So <laughs> nice <laughs> reputation there. Uh, but your reputation as being a uh, point scorer, uh, much better than the Morris brothers. There, you have six. We're going to keep the ball rolling here. Moving on to television. I believe I know whether you're going for the two or eight, but please. Uh, We're going for eight. Good luck. Here is your eight-point television question. For 50 years, commercials for what company have had the same iconic Illinois-born character, though multiple lookalikes have been used over the years? Uh, the same iconic Illinois-born character, although lookalikes have been used. A lot of lookalikes going on in this round. So this takes us back to at least the 1960s. Huh. Illinois-born character in TV commercials. Well, it had me wondering about an animal, something like a horse or something that would, uh, something that would live a long time. I don't think horses live 50 years. Ooh, lookalikes have been used, but it's the same character. Saying born makes me think it's something real life. Like, I don't believe Ronald McDonald was born. I don't know if Tony the Tiger was born. The Energizer Bunny just keeps going and going and going, but I don't think he goes back 50 years. I I can recall when those ads started somewhere around the early 90s. There's a lot of serial mascots, but again, they're all they're all like cartoon characters. The Tricks Rabbit, the Lucky Charms guy, Sonny, who's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Mr. Peanut. Again, these are all just basically, these were born in an ad room somewhere. <sighs> there's the Budweiser, Clydesdales. There's, oh, there's Spuds McKenzie. Does he go back 50 years? And why would he be from Illinois? Budweiser's in uh, Missouri. Illinois, I'm trying to think of companies that are from Chicago or from Illinois. Uh, McDonald's is headquartered in Illinois, but I don't think that's the answer. Maybe it's a character played by a human, something like Ronald McDonald. Mm, Boy, this is tough. I feel like whatever this is, I'm going to be real annoyed that I don't get it. The Jolly Green Giants, again, mostly a cartoon character. I just thought of Morris the Cat, who is, you know, a cat who could have been born in Illinois, but I don't know why you'd include that in the question, because it just doesn't seem helpful. (laughs) I don't know what else. There's the Gerber baby, although, again, there have been many babies. There's certainly not one baby for 50 years. (laughs) I'm running out of ideas. Morris the Cat is the spokes cat for nine lives. I don't really like that answer at all, but I don't think I'm coming up with this. I'm going to... In the interest of moving the show along, I'm going to lock in with Nine Lives. Nine Lives is your answer. So uh, this iconic character was born in uh, Hinsdale, Illinois, specifically at the Humane Society there. Uh, Bob Martwick was uh, an animal talent scout, discovered an orange tabby there that had quite the charming personality. Uh, Though a bit finicky he was, and over 50 years, Mars the Cat, spinning off from Mars in the previous question, has been the spokes cat for nine lives. You are correct, sir. Eight points. Wow. Once again, I completely forgot to look for the connection and made made that way harder than it might have been. (laughs) But I stumbled my way into a right answer, so I guess I'll take it. Yeah, the uh, 50th anniversary of Mars the Cat uh, this year. 
and voiced in United States commercials by a man named John Irwin uh, until uh, his uh, passing. In the UK, coincidentally, uh, they used a, a more British-sounding voice. Uh, the man who voiced him in, in UK was a man named Johnny Morris, and people in the United Kingdom thought that the cat was named after the guy doing the voice, but uh, that just happened to be the cat's name. Eight points. Well done. Let us not kill the momentum here. Moving along to analogies. Two points. That's all that's left in this round. So two points is all I can offer you. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Here is your two-point analogies question. Finnick is to four as Wolf is to what? Huh. So Finnick has four consonants. Almost seems like it might be too straightforward. We're connecting to, obviously, the finicky cat. So I don't think there's going to be anything more to find there. Finnick is to four as woof is to what? I don't recall a lot of wordplay questions from you, so I don't, I don't know how. I don't know if you go shallow or you go deep, or if I could be overlooking the obvious. But nothing else is coming to me. Uh, Finnick has four consonants. Woof has two consonants. Do I really want to say that? No, I'm not seeing anything else. I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm, I'm just going to say two. Two is your answer. So uh, certainly you are correct that I uh, was very clever in taking Finicky Morris and spinning that off to Finnick. <laughs> Question is, who or what is Finnick, and what does it have to do with the number four? Well, it's a little uh, movie and book franchise where Finnick was a tribute from District 4, a little thing called The Hunger Games. The analogy here is, what district did Woof represents that's right the name was wolf and uh twice as tough now half as tough because they you know as you go further out they were uh, a lot weaker normally speaking here uh wolf represented district eight so the number i was looking for or the answer i was looking for here simply eight yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not into the hunger games i haven't read those i haven't seen any of the movies so there is there's very little chance i was going to get that one other than by a blind lucky guess so well i'll, I'll accept that result and move on fair enough fair enough so uh you won't be volunteering as tribute going forward i, I suppose <laughs> uh well done in that round uh 14 points out of a possible 20 i'm going to add that to the single point you had coming into the round which puts you at a very respectable 15 points as we head into halftime. Here is how halftime works. It is our only partial credit question of the game. I am going to read you the question, and then I am going to pause for a brief word from my non-existent sponsors while you work diligently trying to come up with as many correct answers as you can to the following question. However... I have to apologize, because if you didn't like the last question, <laughs> you're certainly not going to enjoy what I'm about to lay on you, sir. Nevertheless, good luck, Jeff. <laughs> In the 74th annual Hunger Games, where, as we all know, or at least as everyone but Jeff knows, Katniss Everdeen and Pita Milark were named as co-victors. Uh, there were eight other characters who were specifically given names that took part in the event. For two points each, I would like for you to name for me any five of those eight named competitors from the 74th Hunger Games, a.k.a. the first movie, the first book in the series. I'll throw you a little bone there. Uh, woof. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of time to think about that, and we'll be back after the break.
Are you beating my guess? Or is my guess beating you? Tell us all about it on Twitter or Gmail at BMGPod. If you like what you're hearing, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron at patrons.podbean.com slash beatmyguest. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Jeff Frank. When we last left Jeff, he was sitting on 15 points working on the following halftime bonus question in the 74th Hunger Games. Katniss and Peta were named co-victors, but there were eight other tributes who had been given names for two points each i would like for you to name for me any five of those eight competitors jeff i have a feeling this is going to be as big of a bloodbath as the hunger games themselves but let's see what you come up with well aj it may surprise you to find out that i've actually not read any of these books really Uh, i'm stunned i had no idea who, who could have seen that coming i'm gonna go okay i have two answers i feel real confident about i'm gonna go with finnick and woof and then I could make up random characters or syllables, but I, I, don't, I don't feel like insulting the audience's intelligence, so I'm just going to go with Michael, Tito, and Jermaine for the last three. One more time, I'm going to try the Jacksons and see if I have better luck. Michael, Tito, and Jermaine. Boy, it would be a real kick in the head if the correct answers were Janet, Rebe, and <laughs> Mara. It's, it's probably Donnie again. <laughs> Finnick and Wolf uh, were participants in the 70s. Fifth Hunger Games, which of course oh. is movie number two. I would never make it that simple, sir. But I admire you for uh, at least uh, <laughs> taking a shot with it. The tributes that were named in the book, we had uh, the uh, tributes from District 1, Marvel and Glimmer. We had District 2's Cato and Clove. We had from District 5, the male was not named, but the female competitor was called Foxface. Uh, One that you probably could have gotten if you had just gone generic here. Uh, The male in District 6 was named Jason. How boring. (laughs) And in District 11, we had Thresh. And a character who got a lot of uh, attention in the film. Her death is kind of really what... uh, a plot point that really gets the ball rolling in terms of the uh, anarchy and uprising that ensues when she dies, and her name was Rue. Well, I'm certainly ruining some things right now, but that's okay. Came in with 15. We leave with 15. But 15's not too bad. 15's not bad at all. Uh, I promise that when the quarter poll comes around, I will not uh, ask you to participate in another halftime bonus question. I know you have no idea what that means, but everyone out there is laughing hysterically. Just you trust me, sir. Here is round three up ahead. We are going to keep the values the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, the categories will, of course, they're going to be a little bit different. And here's what we're going to use today, kicking things off with the wiggle room. Following up with Pop Goes the Blank. Moving along to history, and we are going to wrap up round three with Who Done It. But first things first, wiggle room, two, four, six, or eight. Um, let's go with four. Four points for a wiggle room. As usual, sir, you will get a 10% wiggle room in either direction. You do not have to get it on the nose. Here is your wiggle room question. According to the CIA World Factbook, and a little bit of math, if all of the firstborn males of Egypt under the age of 14 today were to fall victim to a plague and die, Approximately how many millions of deaths would there be? Okay. Easy peasy. 
we are we are going venturing back to Exodus once again, begin, beginning where we going back to where we started. Uh, to keep the Osman brothers in mind because they may come into play once again. Uh, how many million people are in Egypt? It's somewhere between fifty and eighty. I want to say it's seventy to eighty ish. Every firstborn son. Oh my lord. Um, <laughs> this is, it's going to be somewhere between, I guess, ten and twenty million. Do I want to go higher or lower in that range? Um, if I go fifteen, that covers thirteen and a half to sixteen and a half. I don't really have any idea where I should go, so let's just uh, end the suffering and let's let's go fifteen million. Fifteen million is your answer. You know, I don't expect you know anyone to actually know this off the top of their heads. This is one of those wiggle room questions, or or sometimes you know they're a bit of a dart throw thrown in there, put a little bit of randomness into the proceedings here. Based on the actual population, based on the number of, uh, the percentage of population, which is between the ages of 0 and 14, based upon the average number of children born to each family, and the ratio of men to women being born, all of those uh, mathematical things get put together, and we have 9.069 million Firstborn males currently in Egypt between the ages of zero and 14. So the wiggle room was 8.162 million to 9.976 million. You overshot it just a little bit there, but you weren't incredibly far off. I mean, you know, it wasn't like you said 47 million or anything like that. So uh, well done. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Nine million. It seems very obvious now. Indeed. Well, you know, you, you could have just said, hey, nine lives, nine million lives. Uh, I, sh- I should have done that. Wasn't my intention to do that. I actually did the math <laughs> because I'm, I'm a math nerd. But uh, as it turns out, it may have been just that simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to move along now to Pop Goes the Blank. You have two, you have six, and you have eight. Uh, I'm going to go with two. Two points for Pop Goes the Blank. Good luck. And here we go. In a 2009 movie, after being shot by Columbus, Bill Murray is asked if he has any regrets. His response was blank. Do I know what movie this is? Shot by Columbus. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Orange Cats, as Bill Murray was the voice of Garfield. And I'm trying to remember which Garfield movie had him being shot. I've seen Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. I think there was another one after that. But I feel like this might be a dead end. Um, he's in some of the Wes Anderson movies. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums is earlier than that. I cannot think of a Lori movie from around 2009. And I don't know who Columbus is. So this is going to be tough. I'm going to say Bill Murray's regrets were getting shot. Getting shot? That uh, certainly... I can I can picture him saying that because that is a very Bill Murray response to being shot in a movie that he would say any regrets yeah being shot <laughs> absolutely uh, it is unfortunately and sadly not the correct answer I think you're gonna like this though um, even without getting the points uh, Columbus is the name of the character. All the characters in this movie uh, are named by the town in which they are from because there has been a zombie apocalypse 
and they are just pretty much moving from city to city. Uh, Zombieland is the film. Uh, and uh, spoiler alert, folks, uh, Bill Murray uh, has a cameo in this movie as Bill Murray uh, himself, a, a fictionalized version of himself. He has survived. Uh, the characters go to his mansion, uh, and uh, he has survived all this time by uh, dressing up in zombie makeup to kind of make himself look like a zombie. Uh, Columbus gets confused and, and shoots him. Uh, and as he is dying, they say, any regrets? And... His response was Garfield, maybe. Oh, I was, I was right there. <laughs> you were right there. Love it, love it, love it. Unfortunately, <laughs> can't give you the points, but I, I, you gave me a smile. Very, very well done. <laughs> and actually, uh, fun fact, or perhaps not so fun, a little sad fact. Uh, originally, the film, uh, the script for the film was written, and it was going to be Patrick Swayze in this role. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he had to turn it down because he actually was dying of cancer at the time and could not make it to set. He, he would have done it otherwise, uh, so uh, kind of I ironic there. <laughs> I, I definitely intended to see Zombieland. I know it was pretty well received and was said to be very funny, and I, and I was aware there was a big cameo at the end. I don't recall if I ever heard who it was, but I de definitely, uh, definitely regret not seeing that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely think you should give it give it a shot. They are, uh, uh, from what I understand, they're uh, in the process of uh, doing a sequel to it now, and uh, it, it was enjoyable. Uh, of all of the many zombie films out there that uh, could suck, this one did not suck. So, <laughs> yes, uh, a very clever spin on it, actually. If you do have to spend a lot of time with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, who is also. In the Hunger Games. Oh, oh uh, it, all, it, all it all comes back. Go, Hamish, go. Anyway, history is up next. You have a six and you have an eight. I'm going to go with six on history. Six points for history. All right, good luck. Here is your six-point history question. One of the first insanity plea cases in American jurisprudence. What defendant was reported to have testified? The doctors killed him. I just shot him. The doctors killed him. I just shot him. Okay, one of the first insanity pleas. I, I think I actually know this. Once again, I'm going to look back at the orange cat, and I'm going to think of Garfield. The president, James A. Garfield, was famously shot and famously died due to very, very poor medical treatment. I believe he lived something like four to six months, and... They didn't know a lot about uh, sterilization and uh, things like that, and basically did things to him that got all of his wounds infected. And I don't know the details, but I believe we're looking for the man who shot Garfield. His name was Charles Guito. Uh, he just shot him. The doctors killed him. Guito, Guito, Guito. Not to be confused with Kato from District 2 of the Hunger Games. <laughs> um, yeah, we are looking at Garfield's assassin. Uh, pretty much everything you said there. He uh, died from a painful and lengthy bout of sepsis uh, that resulted from uh, them believing that they just needed to get the bullet out of him and they just dug in with their hands uh, <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> Oof. Uh, so Gito was not wrong when he said the doctor's killed him, I just shot him. Uh, they pretty much think he probably would have died anyway. It just uh, was not pretty. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. Charles Guito is the answer. Six points. Well done. Back on the positive side of the ledger. Uh, yes, I 
keep the Garfield questions coming. I guess. I guess <laughs> this is maybe this is my wheelhouse. Uh, well, Wolf didn't help you. Maybe Meow will continue. So, <laughs> <laughs> one question left in round three. It is worth eight points. It is who done it? Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. This British surgeon, though originally operating under the misconception that germs were transmitted by a pollen-like dust, eventually got doctors to wash their hands and sterilize instruments to help stave off infections. Who done it? A British physician decided it was a good idea to wash our hands. Oh, figure. I assume he was laughed out of a lot of rooms for being a crazy person. Uh, he probably came back in the 70s and said, maybe we shouldn't be smoking while we're doing surgery. Uh, <laughs> okay, British surgeon. I have one name that pops into my head, which is the namesake of a... We know we now know the name for a specific product. His name is Joseph Lister, which the, 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 the Listerine is a mouthwash, but I believe Joseph Lister was a pioneer somewhere in the field of sterilization and sanitation in the medical field. I'm not 100% sure if that's right, but I know I know that is a name. I believe he's British. That is the name I'm going to go with, Joseph Lister. The knowledge of germs, not, not really good. Back in those days, uh, the common thought was that there was some sort of mist that provided some sort of airborne germ transfer. Uh, and that touching would do nothing. Uh, like, like I said, this guy thought it was a dust, but uh, eventually he came up with uh, the use of carbolic acid, which was used as an antisepsis liquid, antiseptic liquid. If you look in your bathroom on your mouthwash, you will see that antiseptic wash is what you use to swirl around your mouth. Listerine is that product. Lister is the man. Joseph Lister, well done. Eight points. Huzzah! All right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting... It's come together now. I'm heating up. Let's keep it going into round four. Indeed. Uh, and yes, you are correct. He was uh, pretty much laughed out of the uh, out of the hospital at the time. Uh, but yeah. uh, he got the last laugh as he sat in his deathbed, blind and deaf and really unable to hear the mocking. <laughs> <laughs> Feel good show today. I, I appreciate that. Hey, you know what? You know what feels good. Fourteen points out of a possible twenty. We're going to add that to the fifteen you had coming into the round. Twenty-nine. A very healthy and sepsis-free score as we head into round four, where the All point right. values are really going to increase to three, five, seven, and nine. Here are our final four categories for you, sir. Today, kicking things off with mashup. Then we're going to move along to literature. Follow it up with around the world, and we are going to wrap up regulation play and round four with movies. But first things are first. Mashup, what say ye? Um, I'm feeling confident. I'm, I'm on a roll. I'm going to go with nine. Good luck. And here we go. This oh-so-special pet of Farmer Jones was a spy and a clever talker and also had psychic visions. You nasty if you don't get this right, pig. Psychic visions. He was a spy, a clever talker, a special pet of Farmer Jones. So one thing that comes to mind is Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. I'm not sure if that's what's happening. Uh, there certainly is, I don't know who Farmer Jones is. He could be from Charlotte's Web, which would be Wilbur the Pig. He could be from the movie Babe, which is, that'll, that'll do pig. I guess his name is just Babe the Pig. Uh, I don't think it's Mr. Ed. I 
I can't remember the name of the human character in Mr. Ed, but I don't believe it's Jones. Psychic Visions. Who has Psychic Visions? Oh, boy. hate to give up on this, AJ, but I don't think we can sit here all day. Um... I'm going to have to tap out. I just, I'm, I have a feeling I've got some of the right pieces, but I'm missing, missing something that's supposed to link them together. So I, I don't, I, I give up. I don't know. Fair enough. Well, pig on a farm led by a man named Jones. That speaks to a classic novel called Animal Farm. Oops. And uh, Farmer Jones's very special pet, who was considered a spy and was quite clever talker, was a character by the name of Moses the Raven. That's so Raven. Uh, from that show, Raven had psychic visions and always said, yeah, nasty. So we mash those together, and you have two potential correct answers here. Either Moses the Raven Baxter, which was the character on the show, or the actress herself, Moses the Raven Simone. So yeah, I was I was wrong. I did I didn't have any parts of that correct. I, I totally skipped over Animal Farm, but I've I've not read it. I did not know about Moses the Raven, so I was pretty much up a creek with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you nasty. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, uh, that's so Raven. Uh, she would like freeze and have these psychic visions of the future. However, they were always incomplete. Uh, and uh, in the Matrix-like uh, scenario of uh, you're going to kick yourself uh, later on, wondering if you were going to actually fulfill the prophecy, if you didn't know about the prophecy, uh, she always tended to screw things up or misinterpret her visions, and hence the comedy that would ensue. As so I'm told, I've never seen the show. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that, that is so Raven. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Uh, it's, it's so not Jeff, though, who has been doing very well, uh, but... Hey, three questions left. Let's forget the fact that, you know, you had nine points on that one. So we'll move along to literature. Uh, you have the three, you have the five, you have the seven. Uh, well, I've showed off my encyclopedic knowledge of both The Hunger Games and Animal Farm. So we better go on the low side and let's go, let's go five on lit. Five on literature. Good luck. And here is your question. Reepacheep the mouse wears a thin circlet of gold on his head with a crimson feather. Oh, yes. And he talks, too. Over the course of several books, written by what author? Reepa Cheep the Mouse. I do not not familiar with this character. Uh, certainly, are a lot of authors with talking animals. We're looking back at Animal Farm, Moses the Raven, Baxter, or Simone. Huh. Um. So some things I could go with. There's certainly. Uh, Beverly Cleary wrote about the, I believe it's the motorcycle and the mouse. I don't think that's the name of the mouse. Uh, Beatrix Potter wrote about a lot of talking animals. Uh, the Peter Rabbit and lots of other bunny-related things. But I believe she branched out into a whole bunch of different... There was a, some squirrels. Certainly could be Beatrix Potter. I'm trying to think of who else this might be. I don't think Dr. Seuss has a mouse that I'm familiar with. Uh, E.B. White wrote about Stuart Little. I don't know if he has any other mouse books. There's A.A. Millen with the Winnie the Pooh characters. I don't know that he has other known characters. Reepa Cheep the Mouse. It, and it kind of does sound like a Dr. Seuss character, but the fact that I haven't heard of it makes me doubt that it's correct. In lieu of anything better, I will take a guess with Beatrix Potter. Beatrix Potter is your answer. So, yeah, so Reepa Cheep the Mouse was uh, wearing that uh, 
circlet of gold on his head because he was uh, the king of the talking mice. Uh, these books are not so uh, thinly veiled allegories for the Bible, hence the Moses kind of carryover talking animals thing. Reepicheep is in The Last Battle, in The Voyage of the Dawn Treater, and in Prince Caspian. All take place in that lovely fictional land of Narnia, created by C.S. Lewis. You actually asked about a series of books, which I have actually read all seven books, but that was 30 years ago, and I have slept since then, and I don't remember this character. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows Aslan and Tumnus, <laughs> and sure, but there's a lot of talking animals here. The the, the talking mice, like I said, big on the three books that uh, are not Lion, sure. of the Wardrobe. Uh, you know, Lion, of the Wardrobe is the one that we all know. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we still have two questions left. We have three points and seven points. Around the World is our next category. Which one would you like to use here? Uh, I'll go with three. Three points. Rats are worshipped. To the point where if you accidentally step on one and kill it here, you must replace it with a rat made out of solid gold. This all takes place at Karnimata Temple in what country? Karnimata Temple. Would you mind spelling that word? Karni, K-A-R-N-I. Second word, Mata, M-A-T-A. That doesn't help me one bit, but I felt I would be would be irresponsible not to ask. Okay, where do they worship rats? Other than the the New York subway, of course, where there's a there's a rat king and an entire rat uh, bureaucracy. Uh, that's pizza rat to you, sir. Oh, my mistake. Your lordship, <laughs> Carni Mata. This is going to be somewhere in Asia, I suspect, in the neighborhood of. India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. Why do they worship the rats? Um, I guess China has the rat as one of their 12 zodiac animals, but I don't know that it's worshipped. Probably going to be something like Thailand. For some reason, I want to think an island country or a coastal country. I don't really know why. Something about the rats in the land. St. Patrick led the rats out of... No, those were the snakes. The Pied Piper led the rats... The Pied Piper led the rats out of Hamelin. I don't think that's helpful. That was somewhere in Europe. Germany, maybe? I don't have any good reason. So, off the top of my head, let's just pick a country and say Thailand. Thailand is your answer. You are correct. The Pied Piper led the rats out of Hamelin. Uh, Harry Hamelin led the single status out of Lisa Rinna. I I, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, you asked why rats would be worshipped here. Uh, reasons i don't know they worship a lot of animals in this country for reasons uh you mentioned this country you did not go with this country uh you had the right general neck of the woods this is a temple in rajasthan which is part of india was the first thing i said i should have i should have just stopped talking at that point very close to the pakistani border but india (laughs) one question left it is seven points. Let's see if we can end on a high note. Oh, movies are up. Jeff, are you uh, prepared? Um, I can't hit that note, but I'll but I'll do my best on movies. Here is your seven point movies question. Good luck, and here we go. Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty are among the voice actors in what animated film about a bunch of hyper intelligent rats who are planning an exodus from their current residence on a farm? 
Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty. I don't know this. I have some vague inklings that there is a movie. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing something in like the mid '80s where Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty would have been children. So that's perhaps why they were co-stars of this. Uh, they both, of course, were big on TV in the '90s, playing teen slash twenty somethings. So back to the mid '80s. They would have been children. Oh, I'm trying to think of the movie that I'm picturing. Uh, what is it called? Oh, 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 I think I have this. It's a movie that was based on a book, Mrs. Frisbee or Mrs. Brisby. No, they changed her name from the book to the movie. Mrs. Brisby and the Rats of Nim. The name of the movie was The Secret of Nim. And I remember very little of the plot, but I do know that mice or rats definitely rats play a large part so yes i think i feel good about this i'm gonna lock in with the secret of nim yeah i tried to get as many callbacks to the rest of the game in this one we have we have rats we have an exodus we have living on a farm oh man just so much stuff going on here as wesley crusher and brenda walsh uh, you are correct they were very very young in this and they played the oldest two children of the mouse family uh they are about to be uh evicted uh, so to speak from their farm because they live in some sort of concrete brick but the farmer is about to plow and so they one of the kids one of her many many you know she's a mouse she's got a lot of kids one of them one of the kids is sick and can't leave so uh, they encounter this hyper intelligent group of rats who agree to assist them in trying to come up with some sort of uh, device to move their uh, home uh, and save the day. Uh, these rats are hyper intelligent because they uh, were experimental rats who have escaped from the National Institute of Mental Health, aka NIMH, aka NIM. This is the secret of NIM by don bluth you are correct sir seven points well remembered huzzah that is a very long time ago right around the time i read the narnia books but luckily i only needed the title so i, I was able to pull this one out indeed i had never seen this i have no idea what this movie was about but i certainly remembered the movie poster and the title all these years i could have come up with it but i couldn't have told you anything about it until <laughs> i did the research <laughs> all right well done seven points uh, prevents that from being a complete waste of our time. We're going to add the seven points to the 29 you had coming into round four. 36, an incredibly healthy score as we move on to the confidence question, our last chance to try to prove the final score. Only one question is before you, Jeff, only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must wager between one and ten points. Get it right, and I will happily, happily add it to your score. But if you get it wrong, sir, not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to replace you with a Sudanese clone and no one will be the wiser. I ask you, sir, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in a category that I am calling Boo Boo Kitty Not Included? That is exactly the category I expected to hear. <laughs> uh, Boo Boo Kitty Not Included. Boy, my confidence is pretty much at an all-time high upon hearing that category. So... I didn't come here to I didn't come here to bet small AJ. Let's 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 go big or go home. Probably go home, but I'll bet ten. <laughs> You're gonna go home either way, but <laughs> the score is all that matters. Ten points. Uh, do you have any idea uh, what Boo Boo Kitty not included might be? Uh, might be foretelling. 
I don't. It, it kind of sounds like a thing that maybe I'll know what it is, but probably not. No, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> Fair um, enough. All right. Good luck, sir. Your 10-point confidence question is as follows. The video for this song features cameos from Pepsi and Shirley. And it has also inspired a movie starring Emma Thompson and Amelia Clark, set to be released in 2019. That's not the end of the world if you don't know, Jeff. But to get the points, you have to tell me what this song is called. Oh boy, this song's video has guest appearances from Pepsi and Shirley. It's not the end of the world if I don't know. Oh boy, what song could inspire a movie? I feel like Pepsi and Shirley could be the name of Cats. But what is a song that would have cats in the video? Now they're going to make a movie. I guess it could be an animated movie and that these are the voices of, say, the cats. Um, I have one thought. No, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Katy Perry song, Roar, certainly could have some connection to the cat family. Don't know why they would be making a movie of it. I don't particularly know anything about the video. Oh, I'm sure I'll be kicking myself, but <laughs> I don't think I know this. I will I'll just lock in with the only thing I've thought of, which is the song Roar. Jeff, uh, this is not an easy question. Uh, so Boo Boo Kitty, for the uninitiated, or just the very, very young, uh, was, the, uh, was the stuffed animal that uh, was owned by one Shirley Feeney on the show Laverne and Shirley. Uh, so... Laverne would also like to drink uh, a concoction of milk and Pepsi. So when I saw that the cameos in this video were Pepsi and Shirley, I just thought of Lord and Shirley. And so that's where Boo Boo Kitty comes from. Nothing to do with the question, really. The category rarely does, quite frankly, in <laughs> the confidence question. But a little extra trivia for you folks. Fun fact, if you will. So yeah, so the there's a video for this song. It features Pepsi and Shirley, who are not cats. Uh, they are, in fact, backup singers uh, who then would later uh, leave the band from which they were backup singers and have some moderate success in the UK. Uh, I believe they had a number one hit single over there, but never, never really broke over here. And the video for the song, it's got a storyline going on in it. And, uh, well, the lead singer of this group before he passed away was figuring out how to take this song and, and turn it into a, a, a movie. Emma Thompson uh, stumbled across the idea, thought it was great. She's now uh, going to uh, film it along with uh, Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons, Amelia Clark herself. It'll be out next winter at around this time. Uh, Pepsi and Shirley were the backup singers for Wham! Ah. It's not the end of the world. Armageddon, or shall I say Wham! Again. If you could tell me the name of the song that most of you out there don't want to hear or else you'll be eliminated uh a little foreshadowing there folks and don't blame me when it happens last christmas is our answer here last christmas is what we we're looking for coming to a theater near you november slash december 2019 oh i don't know how i missed that aj <laughs> easy peasy as yeah. always well, I do have to take the 10 points away, but the good news is that you had plenty of points from which to deduct and still come up with a pretty darn decent score. 26 is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's downright above average. So well done, sir. Uh, Jeff, before I kick you out of my hot seat, is there anything you'd like to say? Pimp, uh, throw out there, holiday greetings, 
you make the call. It's all up to you. Well, I had an entire speech written out to Wham, but now it feels redundant. So I, w- I will plug one event, which is coming up a uh, long way from now, next August. It's called Trivia Nationals. It's a brand new event, and I think it's a good thing to spread the word to as many people as possible. It's happening August 8th to 11th next year in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, the website is trivianationals.org. If you're unfamiliar with this or if you've heard about it and want to check it out, uh, they have a wide variety of trivia events all taking place in one wild weekend. It, but there's going to be Quiz Bowl, there's going to be Learned League, there's going to be uh, pub quizzes, sports quiz, music quiz, everything you could imagine all in one place in one weekend. Trivianationals.org. I, it's a great new event, and I think uh, people should check it out. Thank you so much for that information. If you are interested in taking part in a huge trivia event like that, check out the website. If you just like playing along at home to a podcast, well, you're in the right place here with my guest. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being in the hot seat. Uh, now get out. Uh, thanks a lot, AJ. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. Have a happy holiday season. We'll be back next week with our season finale for season three. Bye-bye. Did you beat our guest, or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter, at BMGPod, or email us, bmgpod at gmail.com. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes, and if you liked what you heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production.